You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. Today with us we have Benjamin Dennehy. He is the UK's most hated sales trainer. Hello. He is typically invited in by MDs and CEOs, both within the UK and globally. They have successful and ambitious companies. They believe they have great salespeople. However, they have, perhaps reluctantly, identified that sales is a bottleneck for growth. They can be feeling frustrated and this and are willing to ask the question, are my salespeople really doing the best they can? To be direct, Benjamin is not for everyone. Elevating great salespeople to A players with sales training is a process, not an event. The reason people say no to him is because they don't want or believe they can control the sales process. They fear change and fear stepping outside their comfort zone. If you genuinely have frustrations about the wasted time and resources spent on proposals, pitches, and quotes that go nowhere, maybe Benjamin can help. If you are anxious for your salespeople to be selling more, for more, to better prospects, but aren't, perhaps he can help. Maybe you're annoyed knowing that your people have the potential to excel, to grow personally, and in the process, grow your bottom line. Benjamin is challenging. He is brutal in his assessments. He is not hired for hugs and cuddles, nor is he looking for friends. He is going to make you money by giving you control, by doing less, but better, on purpose for more. That's it. If you want a very brief but direct conversation about whether you really control the sales process and maximize time productivity, call Benjamin. Hey, Benjamin. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Welcome. Just out of interest, is this being video recorded or is it just... I wasn't it's sure. video was recorded, but only the audio gets published. And yeah. this ah, is going to okay. be I was just this wondering. question. It's part of the interview now. <laughs> it is. I, I know. I thought I'd get it in there. I just wondered if it was video. But I don't mind. I'm dressed for the occasion. Yeah, you're looking really dashing. <laughs> oh, why, thank you. I must say your English is very good. A lot better than my oh. Romanian, I can tell you that. Well, oh. we, we, we had practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, a lot of people say this, but it's not fair to put them both on 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 the same uh, spot because English is spoken worldwide. It's the lingua franca, yes. as much as the French hate to admit it. Spoken by more than one one billion it's, people. There's no point in the English winning wars if they don't make people speak their language. Is yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> That's why the sure French that. hate it. We keep winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Benjamin. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, what would you like to know? Is there anything specific? How I got into sales? Um, uh, how I got into sales. Uh, and why people hate you. What formed you <laughs> professionally and why do people hate you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't we start with the how I, I got into sales like most people. I fell into it. Nobody wants to be a salesman. Nobody chooses sales as a career. They just... Uh, fall into it. So you go to university or you leave school or whatever it is, and you got to get a job. Um, and who's always hiring? Sales. And as long as you look smart in a suit, you don't dribble and you can talk through an interview pretty competently, most people say, all right, well, let's give them a shot. Yeah. So that's how we fall into sales. No one wanted to do this at school. I mean, when you're at school and you're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you see salesman? Well, it depends. If your father is a salesman maybe, and you like the guy, maybe yeah, you want so, to be so, a salesman like your daddy. 
you know, saying it out of guilt isn't a good enough reason, though, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But so I'm, to... I'm going to challenge you on that because Go I want to get into sales. So I'm a computer programmer by by trade, yeah, and I want to get into you... sales. You want to get into it now. It's not what what you wanted to be when you were at school, though, is it? Well, actually, I was always fascinated with sales. I, I've been just too big of a... So why have you taken we, so we, long we, to get into it then? <laughs> must have got the courage. Huh? <laughs> you haven't had the courage, right? Yes. Uh, probably, yeah, okay. Well, you need, you need a fair amount of courage to be good at selling. Um, but the problem is most salesmen don't have a lot of courage. They're quite weak. So I, I fell into sales. I'm a lawyer by trade. Um, so I qualified as Sounds a lawyer. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to do. Uh, uh. But I, I fell into it when I came to England. Uh, and I, I realized I was very good at what I did, but I didn't know why I was any good. And I used to have a lot of clients saying to me, you're good at what you do. Why are you good? And I'd say, I have no idea. But I know certain things seem to work, but I don't know why. And one actually said to me one day, you know, if you can figure out why you're so good, I think you'll make a lot of money because then you'll be able to show other people how to do it. Uh, and that, that, that conversation sparked my interest in trying to figure out, well, why, why do people really buy? Um, what do you have to do repeatedly and consistently to successfully have predictable outcomes in selling? So I began my journey and it was just trying to figure out how people sell. I met a lot of fascinating people on my way who taught me lots. So everything I teach, I've stolen. I'm upfront about that. You know, I've learned Ooh. it all. Yeah, I haven't created anything. I'm a capitalist. I've taken other people's great ideas, got good at it, put it into a package and I resell it. Modern, um, modern Picasso. <laughs> modern Picasso. <laughs> modern Picasso. That, that is it. And that, that is a great, like they say, genius creates, but brilliant steals. Ask China. They get an entire economic model based on the policy. So um, everything I teach, I've learned, which means it comes from other people smarter and brighter than me that figured it out. But like, unlike a lot of salesmen, I decided to get really good at the things people said you should get good at doing. Most salesmen like reading books about sales, yeah. but that's it. True, you know, it's like you know, the it's like um, diet. It's like, the sales industry is a lot like um, the the weight loss industry. It's a billion dollar industry of people telling people how to lose weight, and then all these different products. But the answer's simple: put the fork down and exercise. That <laughs> you don't need no magic to this. So why is it a billion dollar industry? Because people love reading about losing weight. They love thinking about losing weight. They love talking about losing weight, but they don't actually want to do the stuff that requires them to people lose want weight. The magic solution. Yeah. And so they're Wait looking for sales or a complicated solution. Mm. <laughs> so and so time. I decided, well, bollocks to that. I'm just going to get good at doing the things that people say you should get really good at doing. And if, it, if they say it works and I believe it'll work, and I do believe it'll work, then I have to make it work. I can't quit because it's not working or I'm struggling. That'd be like quitting riding a bike because you can't balance and saying, well, it doesn't work. I can't balance. It's like, well, you got to keep trying. So that's what I did. Um, and I've got pretty good at what I do. I'm going to be a lot better in five years from now and a lot better in 10 years because like any profession, you keep getting better. You don't stay still. So yeah, so I fell into sales by, by, by chance. Um, and when I figured out why I was good at it, I decided I'd stick with it. I was committed to it now. It became a life choice. So I'm now consciously here. I'm not a hostage. I'm a volunteer salesman. 
um, oh, and everything going I for tour to tour, basically. Exactly, and everything <laughs> I conscript. <laughs> everything I teach, I do, and everything I do, I teach, and I think that's one of the reasons why people uh, are drawn to me because I'm not an academic teacher. Um, I have to do everything I teach. I'm not going to pontificate from a lecture podium with a textbook. Um, so yeah, so so that's a quick potted background, I guess. And I'm really curious, uh, Benjamin, how important is being a leader, having leadership skills to be able to sell from your well, point of view? I don't regard myself as a leader. Um, other people seem to think that. I, I assume a leader is someone that they think is good in their field. Um, you don't need to be a leader, but you have to be a decision maker. And what's the difference between being a leader and being a decision maker? Um, it might not be one. It might be semantics. Um, mm. But what I know is this. If you're incapable as an individual, as a person, making decisions quickly and then acting on them, you will never get other people to make decisions quickly and act on them. And one of the reasons why deals die and why sales is drawn out is because of procrastination. And it's often from a fear of wanting to hear or not hear something. Most salesmen don't want to hear no. So they'll delay, dither and procrastinate, avoiding the obvious. So a good decision maker is someone that will say, yep, I'm going to do this. And then they act. Now, they may be wrong. It could be a wrong decision. But making wrong decisions enables you to develop how to make better. So it's called experience. Yes, yeah, good, good experience comes from, well, I made decisions that were bad. I've learned from that. Now I make better decisions. Most salesmen avoid making decisions. So they just stay sedimented in one position. So the average salesman doesn't have five or 10 years sales experience. They've just had the same year five or 10 times over. Uh, and that's not very good. So I think to be good in sales, you have to be able to make decisions. And one of them is, I want to get to a no. So I know there's more reasons for someone not to buy from me than there are to buy from me. It's just a fact. So rather than spend my time trying to convince someone they should buy from me, I'm going to spend my whole time trying to explain to them why they shouldn't. And if they're going to argue with me over why I'm wrong, the odds are they're going to buy from me. So I reverse everything. Yeah. And something that most people don't consider is you're always in sales, whatever you're doing, especially if you oh, have yes. like a, a leadership position or you aspire to have a leadership position. And the upper you go, the more selling you have to do. It's not just selling to customers, it's selling to your team because you want to, you have a new project or you want a certain direction. It, it's always selling, selling, selling. The main difference between a professional and a professional salesman is that uh, a professional only sells his skill package, his work, his, uh, his commitment to the job, the vision to the company, while a sales professional has a more diverse portfolio. That's it. Well, a good salesman <laughs> should be able to pretty much sell any product without having to spend two months getting their feet under the table and figuring out what it is that the company does because the process never changes. It doesn't matter what the product or service is, the process of selling never ever changes so it'd be like a, imagine a surgeon moving to a new hospital and say well i can't do any operations for three weeks because i just got to get a feel for the uh new operating theater it'd be like no <laughs> um, what do you what do you what do you want about it's, it's it's a theater i mean nothing's different oh no 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 it is you you got slightly different machines and we're in slightly different places 
Yeah, but they still well, you can still operate. So they they never do that. But salesmen are like that. Well, I've got to I've got to figure out what the company does. How they? No, 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 you don't. You just got to figure out what does the company fix. That never changes. And then you yeah. just phrase it in the right way. So it takes me about half an hour when I meet a new client to figure out how to sell what they sell. And they look at half me and an say, hour. half an hour. It's not that hard. And then you look at them and I say, so this is what we, and they look at me and they say, huh, you know, I've been selling this for 20 years and I've never, I've never thought of it like that. So, well, yes, because you've always been thinking from it as a salesman. You always think of it as a solution. I don't care about solutions. I care about problems. What do we fix? Why do people care that we fix it? What is the impact of not fixing it? All I have to do is talk about that. I don't have to know anything about the product. The only thing product knowledge will enable me to do is ask better questions because I can ask specific questions. Yeah. It sounds to me that you go in and you put the hat of the leader on and charge straightforward. Well, if, if that's what you want to, I do wear the hat of the world's most powerful leader. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that is the case. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I don't mind people calling me a leader. I'm quite fine with it, but I haven't set out to be a leader. I've set out to be as good as I can in my field. And I set out, it goes back to the question you asked me, why am I the most hated? And so that why came, are you? Right. So that came about primarily from what we're having a discussion here. Um, first of all, it's made up. First of all, it's, 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 it's made up. Just like McDonald's, yeah. I'm loving it. It's made up. I mean, that's a, <laughs> this is all made, made up, up stuff. So it's made up. There's no international body that measures hate in the sales <laughs> training industry, and then they rank you according to your position, right? So, I, so it's all should. made up. So that's the first thing. I made it up. The question is, why did I make it up? What What was the purpose? Why? Yes. So this is it. I, I when I was. When I was setting out, I met a, a very smart guy um, and he was known as the UK's number one motivational speaker, a guy called Brad Burt. And he saw me speak at an event and he quite liked me. And he came up to me and he goes, you've got to create a brand. And I said, I don't even what the hell you're on about. He goes, create it. Buy my book and read page 26. Because I said, how did you become the UK's number one motivational speaker? So he said to me, he goes, if I was to say to you, I am the greatest, who would you think of? I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Who do you think of when you hear that phrase? Well, it's vague. Like, I am the greatest. Greatest of well, no, what? It's, it's, it's a boxer called Muhammad Ali. I was thinking about that. but <laughs> That's what you're, yeah, you see? Even yeah, in Romania. So UK, I am, US. that was his mantra. Now, he was not and isn't the greatest boxer that ever lived. But if another oh, yeah. boxer ever comes along and says, I am the greatest, people say, no, you're not. So what he did was he created a space, totally owned it and occupied it so that no one else can come in and take it. And this guy said to me, you need to do the same. You need to create a space that you own. So I thought, well, that's not a bad idea. And so what I started doing is I started looking at LinkedIn and I started looking at all these sales professionals and they all call themselves professionals, leaders, gurus, number one, best top performer it's all the self-aggrandizing dribble puke fest right yeah. <laughs> and i thought no one believes any of this stuff i mean if you have to write i'm a top performer you're probably the only person that thinks it because you've actually got yeah. to write it so i thought well it, it, it became obvious to me everybody is on here trying to be loved 
trying to be liked. And these are supposed to be sales professionals and they're behaving the way you should. So I thought, what does nobody want to be? Nobody wants to be hated. So that therefore means there is nobody in this space. The moment I take it, I will own it. And so for that moment on, I said, well, that's it. I'm going to create, I'm going to become the UK's most hated sales trainer. And I would just start saying it. You know, it was, do you know how weird it is saying that when you get in front of a room for people? <laughs> yeah. Well, it draws attention. It does draw attention. It draws attention. attention, but it's really weird, you know? It's like, I can't believe I'm saying this shit, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked because all I did, and then I was able to create a character. Then Trump came along. I thought, well, I love the red hat, make America great again. I thought, I'm nicking it. Let's make salesmen great again. So I'll take the red cap. Um, I created a character because it's all about branding. And I thought, all I'll do is hammer it. Now, I, 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 I'm brutally harsh in the way I deal with things. And it's because salespeople have been too model-coddled and pussy-footed. They don't want to hear the truth. They love hearing the, 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 the gurus out there that tell them, just keep trying, number one, you're a 10, just work harder. All the, it's all bollocks. No one wants to speak the truth to them about the reason you suck at selling is because it's your fault. So let's not beat around the bush. This isn't a therapy session where we're going to kumbaya each other. <laughs> you know, let's, let's fix the problem, you. So I decided that the character would focus on being brutally truthful and honest with people about why they struggle. And people like it. Some people hate it. It doesn't really matter what the reaction is. People talk about it. So that was the purpose of the brand. And so I, I created it so that I could just be me, so that I could be blunt, I could be direct. But it also serves another function because when people meet me in the real world, they always say, you know, you're not as bad as I thought you were going to be. And that again is part oh of Oh, God, the disappointment. The disappointment. disappointed. <laughs> you're nicer. And it's good. Of course it's good. Because if you think I'm nicer, you're going to bond with me. If you're going to bond with me, you're more likely to give me money. So everything is all part of a, a, a branding game plan. But that that's it. It, it is made up. There, there, there is no science behind this. Well, it's good because you set the bar really low and then... Actually, it's higher. And people well, I'm say, waiting oh for God. some idiot to come along and say, no, I'm more hated. It's like, how, how it can't happen. I mean, it'd be fascinating. Someone may try it, you know. So ah, that's an idea. Say, that's an idea. I challenge people listening to this. Well, to people become more hated than you. Than you. <laughs> I get a lot of people say, why not be the world's most hated? It's like, it doesn't have the same ring to it. No, Doesn't you can't be well. everywhere around the world, but exactly. you can spend most UK, of your time in the UK. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So no, so that's it. it, it it's just pure branding. Um, there's there's nothing behind it other than I didn't want to sound like all the other knobs on LinkedIn who call themselves gurus, experts. I've never called my, and that was part of the strategy. If you're going to be seen as an expert, it should be other people saying it of you, not you about you. And so my strategy was... I had to get really good so that people would independently call me that without me saying it. And you could go over anything I've written in the last four or five years on LinkedIn. Not once will you've ever seen me refer to myself as an expert, as a leader, uh, as a guru, nothing like that. I've literally just said what I've thought and people have formed their own <clears throat> opinions based on what they've seen and heard. Well, and, and since you worked with so many companies and so many CEOs, I'm really curious like, um, about your stories. So what is the biggest leadership success story you've witnessed personally? 
What's the biggest success story? For myself, success story. For clients. It can I mean, be yourself, it can be yours or so. You don't need to name names. Okay. This well, is I the good part. So you I can name names of, here. I have lots of lots of stories and lots of little stories. And I'm trying to one I'll tell you one that stands out to me um, because it always yes. stood out. So I, I started working with a technology company based locally and they sell systems, uh, websites and handheld systems for order taking. And when I first started with them, they would do what most tech companies and software companies do. They get a lead somehow. They then set up a demo call. They then do a demo. And then if the demo went well, they do a proposal. Then, then, then And then sometimes they'd win and sometimes they'd lose and so when i when i got in front of the the md of this company i said well if we work together you're gonna have to stop all of that you're gonna have to eliminate demos you're gonna have to get rid of demos you're gonna have to start selling proposals not doing them for free all of this stuff you're doing is wasting your time and he looked at me and said no that won't work (laughs) benjamin and i said it it will if we if we he goes he goes look benjamin i'm willing to do some changes but i've been doing this for 20 years there is no way someone would pay for a proposal in my sector. I said, well, look, we'll get there if you have the courage to get there. So we go in and um, about six months into the training, they'd eliminated the demo because they saw they were right. That was a pointless waste of time doing these demos off the back of a you know no free demos. demo click here. Pointless, waste of time. So they got rid of that. Then they started getting in front of more people. And then... They started to see a difference because when I started teaching them how to ask better questions and how to extract more information, they started to realize that the proposal they were starting to do had a lot more value than the one they were doing before. And one day, out of the blue, the managing director phoned me up and he said, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? He goes, I sold sold a proposal. No way. And I said, good for you. I said, now, I said, how much did you get for it? And then he said, 5,000 pounds. Whoa. And I said, no, that's a proposal. And I go, great. This is, I go, and what was the biggest lesson you learned from doing it? What, what was it that you took from that experience? It's really, he goes, I'll tell you what it is. And he goes, and it, it threw me. He goes, so I was a bit apprehensive, but I did everything we'd done and I, I sold in the scoping document. We changed the word proposal. It became a scoping document. And I did what you said. And then I said to the guy, and, and we charged 5,000 pounds for that. And he goes, and it was his reaction. I go, what was his reaction? What was he, his? he goes, he just looked at me and said, seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> then he tallied all the money that he lost on all the proposals and then it he did before. <laughs> it was, and it just dawned on him. Now, this same guy, I finished working with him about, I think, eight months ago. I was with the company for about 18 months. The same guy phoned me up during COVID to catch up. And he goes, I just wanted to tell you something. He goes, during COVID, I've sold 15 proposals. <laughs> with an average cost of 6,000 pounds. And he goes, only one has not become a client. Well, at least he got 6,000 pounds for it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's 90 grand just from doing something they were doing for free 18 months ago. And like I say, if someone pays for a proposal or quote, the odds of them giving it to a third party to implement is almost zero. 
like you said, of 15, 14 became clients. And the one that didn't still paid for the privilege of saying no. So, so what did you do to, uh, to lead this change and have the CEO transform basically his business and take it, take it towards a direction that he thought like it's impossible? Well, first of all, it's changing it. beliefs. He believed no one would pay. Now, he'd never tested this theory. He just believed it. Why did he? Because he's always been told that. So my job is to challenge what people truly believe to be true. And then the other problem is, is because most human beings are buyers more than sellers, what you don't realize is the reason I created the cap idea was obviously Trump, but there was an, there's an allegory. You see, underneath this cap is a buyer. Most salesmen are buyers. And then they go into work and they stick on a little hat, says salesman, but underneath is a buyer. So when they go out into the real world and the buyer that they're talking to treats them the way buyers treat salesmen, his buyer looks at this guy and says, well, I kind of agree with everything he's doing to me. I wouldn't pay for a proposal. I'd want to think it over. I think it's expensive. So the buyer empathizes with the person he's selling to. And as a result, the buyer dictates how the salesman acts and behaves because there is no salesman. It's just a hat there. This is salesman. It's pathetic. So it's basically your own insecurities are affecting your own. Your own. You buy the way you sell and you sell the way you buy. So when you're sitting there and you hear a prospect say, I'd need to think it over. What did your mom teach you to do when it came to making important decisions? Did she say make them quickly and on the spot? Or did she say, think it over? Think it over. Yeah. So you you have a belief that says it is okay to think things over. So when a prospect says it to you, you accept it as fair. But actually, the buyer is. The salesman should say, no. Just say, no, I don't want it. Well, that sounds more than reasonable. Think about going to a restaurant. You're there to buy something. If the waitress uh, comes and uh, do you want anything? Is How often do you say, I think I want to think it over. I'll, I'll go back home, sleep on it, come back tomorrow. No, exactly. And it's like paying for stuff. I mean, most, most, most companies get in trouble because they get paid after the fact. Yes. And then I say to them, well, why do you get paid up front? Oh, you can't get paid up front. No one pays up front. I go, have you ever flown in a plane or eating McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. I go, when did you pay for it? <laughs> up front. Before I got it. In fact, can you think of many transactions in life where you don't pay up front? Cinema. Theater movies retail i mean everything's paid for up front the only place where you don't pay for stuff up front is where it's suddenly a complex solution (laughs) the restaurant is a complex solution restaurant is the only one (laughs) yeah you're right you pay at the end but But the thing is if you don't pay you get arrested (laughs) yes that's also true yeah so Uh, it's so so it's implicit that you're paying yeah, so there's no, yeah, you have to commit a crime not to pay. So you are, you pay for everything up front, except for the world of sales, apparently, where if you're selling a software system and it's going to cost you three grand to figure out if it'll work for them, oh, we ain't paying for that. <laughs> well, then uh, don't buy from me. That's, it's, sales it's, interesting. it's interesting that it's all about shifting your beliefs. And until the CEO, of the tech company shifted his beliefs, nothing really happened basically inside the company. 
so not you, one of the salespeople say like, I trust Benjamin. I'll do it his way. Even if the big boss says, no, I'll, I'm going to ask them to give me uh, to pay for a proposal. So every I, I company I work with, if they are confident and are willing to take risk and are willing to fail, this is the other problem. Salesmen don't like looking unprofessional or failing. They are emotional basket cases. And they believe the purpose of selling is to go out and get people to like you. It's not. I don't need people to like me, to buy from me. I need them to trust and respect me. And in fact, in order for them to trust and respect me, I'm going to have to ask and say things that may make them not like me. But not liking me doesn't mean they won't trust me. I don't need someone to like me. So salespeople have this, 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 this belief that they've got to do stuff to impress prospects. We've got to do a proposal. Why? Well, they want one. And? Well, well, if we don't do one, they won't buy from us. So? Well, since you broached the subject of failure, uh, yeah. drum roll, please. What Brrr. is the biggest leadership fail you had the unfortunate experience of witnessing? Well, Trump losing the election. Oh. I think he lost because I think he showed a lack of empathy over the COVID and that galvanized yes. people to come out against him. Had he been just a little more sympathetic about it, I think he would have been fine. Because let's be blunt, he's handled it about as best as most other governments in the world. Um, I, this is one of those things you can't really do much of. And there's all these debates about masks and all of this. So we get, get into that. But at the end of the day, um, I think that's what let him down. So he, he failed on moderating his behavior. And he also failed when he did the first debate and the way he behaved. Had he just been a little bit more empathetic and softer. More um, restrained. Yeah. And I think that, 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 that's been his issue. It's, it's, it just, if he just had a modicum more impulse control. So that's a failureship of leadership because he should have won that election. Um, so there's that. On a business Business content. Yeah. I see. I see it a lot. I see it a lot in sales managers and sales directors, uh, and I say that because those are two groups of people that don't buy my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because CEOs love what I do because they get it, and and most CEOs aren't cowards. They're quite tough by nature, and they're quite willing to try something particularly if they believe it'll pay off people slightly lower them in the sales management role. I honestly don't know what most sales directors or sales managers actually do on a day to day basis. Um, because most of them aren't coaching or managing their salespeople. They just leave them to get on with it. So what do they do? And I think one of the issues is, and again, this would go back to a leadership is if you're in a sales management position, you shouldn't have your own book. You shouldn't be targeted on generating revenue because if you make the sales director targeted on making money, what's the thing he's going to focus on doing the most? Making money. Yeah, hitting target. So he's not doing the job you're actually paying him for, which is managing the salespeople to hit target. Yes. And so true. it's a failure of leadership. It's a failure of a sales director to go into a role with a say, oh, by the way, I want you to manage all these guys, plus you've got to bring in X amount. He should say, well, no. That, that's not what I'm here for. My job is to get the best out of these guys, to hire the best and get the best out of them. Because if I give them the best and they get the best, they will hit target. You don't need me 
to make go out and sell. If you need me to go out and sell, you're just overpaying a salesman. Or you can pay me a high salary and don't give me any management. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest failures is having sales management who have to chase target. Their sole job should be focusing on getting the best out of their guys. And I but think that's a huge failure. And most companies fail on that front. And but it's common for manager to cave uh, in front of their superiors, basically, and say, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but they don't realize that their job, they're paid to say no, actually. Yes. Uh, because oh, that's yeah, why but... we're hired. They're experts in the field. Your job is to say, no, this is a bad idea. And this is why, why, why. Explain it. And then if the superiors still want to go with the bad idea, well, so be it. But at least you, you try to push it. Yeah. If not, actually change their, uh, their opinion. And the problem with a lot of sales management is, is they often promote people that have been good at sales. Now, management and sales oh, yeah. are different skill sets. So yeah. they promote the wrong sorts of people. And what they tend to do is they promote people that have deep down, and I, I've met many salesmen who, if they're honest enough, will say I've had a really good career. But if they really look over it, they will say, to be brutally honest, though, I've really just been a really slick order taker. Because a lot of the times, a lot of the times, stuff, if you're working for a, a big branded business like IBM, you don't have to sell it. People come to you and they're already going to buy from you. You've just not yeah. going to screw up the process. And you yeah. do that enough and people say he's a great salesman. So like, no, he's not. He's just good at not screwing up. There's a difference. So and what happens is, is they then get in a position of management and then they get given a team of people. But because they can't actually quantify why they were any good at what they did or demonstrate why what they did were, you can't pass anything on. That's, that's true. And it happens a lot. Mm. You, see you, ask, are... you ask a good salesman, why are you any good at what you do? And you'll get the usual BS. Well, you know, it's my winning personality. It's my knowledge of the product. No, 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 really. Why Why are you actually good at what you do? <clears throat> Those are the re No, 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 really. Why? Have them go like to an unknown brand and then they can see how good they are. Exactly. These are the or same sell guys. something generic. How many companies have hired a hotshot sales director? He comes From with that little brand. Black book, all those contacts. And within six months, the guys achieve sweet F all. <laughs> and they just don't get it. Hey, but he was highly qualified. He knows our sector. He's been in our sector. No, no, it's because the last company couldn't wait to get rid of him. So they gave him a glowing reference. <laughs> the this army is what principle. I tell everyone to do. If you've got crap salespeople, give them a glowing reference and send them to your biggest competitor. Let them be their headache. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not and this, this, this should look like for growing references, like, Look twice at them. <laughs> There's no legitimate reason for a salesman to be looking for a new job unless he's physically moving location from one city to another. You get the why? What? So why are you looking for a new sales role? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a new challenge. What that means is the writing's on the wall. I'm going to get found out. I'm going to lose my job within the next six months. Mm. No, right. if you're good at what you do. Very few people need to change. And if you are really good at what you do, your employer probably won't let you go. They're going to counter to keep you. Yes, that's but most true. salesmen are. Most salesmen are looking for a new challenge, which is code for, I'm going to get fired soon. I need a job. 
So I know you don't like like the word leadership, so we'll use decision maker. What is your decision maker philosophy? Ah, my philosophy is simple. Take a decision and act. You've got to act. No Just procrastination. Yeah, so you must act. So if you say, I'm going to prospect today, prospect. Don't fart about. Don't find 110 reasons not to do it. Take an action. So I, I took an action at the beginning of COVID. So obviously, I, a lot of my training is in-house. And at the beginning of COVID, we got locked down right. And my diary, which was full, suddenly gone. Nothing. <laughs> and, of course, no one, and of course, everyone stops paying, you know, because it's on a, yeah. So, yeah. so I sat there, I sat in my lounge and I said to myself, Cried what, a little. what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do for the next three months? How am I going to make money? Because I can't just sit at home and do nothing. And then I thought, well, why don't I try doing some online boot camps? I've never done online boot camps. Never used Zoom prior to COVID, if I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'd never had to sit down and make a PowerPoint presentation because I don't. I normally just use a whiteboard and a colored pens. So I sat in my in my lounge and I said to my wife, I said, well, what I'm going to do is I said, this, this is a risk, though. I said, if I advertise a boot camp on LinkedIn and nobody buys and I'm supposed to be some sort of sales genius <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm, gonna look like a right, I'm gonna look like a complete numpty aren't i no if nobody buys nobody knows but if one two people well, buy, this, yeah. I saw, so i thought so i sat i sat there for a day debating it well do i do i do i not try and sell online boot camps through linkedin and? I thought, this is a t-. then i sat there and i thought well what's the strategy how am i how do i price this how do I, how do I, how do I go about this? And I sat there and I thought, well, right now, I thought to myself, I thought right now for the next three months, there's going to be a loads of sales, sales guys and girls. They're all sitting at home. They've got about four or 500 quid. I reckon they'd be willing to part with, to invest in themselves. There's enough out there that will do that. So I thought, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's roll the dice. And I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll advertise one of these boot camps. And I'll just say eight spaces because if, if first of all, I didn't know if it would fill. So if at least it filled, I can say it's full. Second, if it is a complete pig's ear, if I do an absolute awful job, at least there's not that many people to refund. <laughs> yes. That was the strategy. So I thought, all right, well, and I remember thinking, well, if it fails, it fails. And I thought, you know what? Who cares? This is what I mean. I've made a decision. I'm going to do online stuff. The decision now is act. Who cares if it fails? Just do it. So I did, and I advertised it, and it filled within two days. Two days? Two days. You have a strong I brand. Was, I was chuffed. I thought, cool, that was easy. So I did <laughs> the boot camp, and it was a hit. Everybody said they absolutely loved it. They thought it was brilliant. All right, I'll do another one. Long story short, this Thursday, I'm doing my 22nd sellout boot camp. Whoa. This one has 20 on it. The one before it had 20. So it went from 8 to 10 to 12 to 15. These are consistently filled. I've generated, I've generated nearly 200,000 pounds in sales from that decision. And I took it because I thought, I don't care what people are. Fuck LinkedIn. Who gives a toss what these people think? <laughs> so I made a decision and I acted and it's paid off. 
I'd never considered any of this prior to the lockdown being announced. I'd never even thought of doing it. And now I have. And that, so that was making a decision, weighing up the pros and cons and saying, well, risk, risk is letting go of certainty and grabbing for something you don't know you'll reach, but you know it's better to hold on to if you get it. So you've got to, at some point, you're not holding on to anything. So I thought I could, I could hold on to what I know, which is don't do anything, just stay below the radar and keep posting and ride this out or take a risk, look stupid, and deal with whatever happens if that does happen. And so I did, and it paid But off. Benjamin, too bad that you don't know the secret of doing webinars and in-person shows and everything. You usually have the spaces are filled with friends of the people and family. organizing family. So the few people that buy feel like, oh my God, other people came here and bought. No, I, everyone has bought legitimately Fulikden. Uh, and it's been, it's, it's, it's been humbling that so many people trust me, having never actually met me, trust me to give me their money before they even get to an event and, and then trust that I'm going to do what I say. Um, and like I say, over 250 people have gone through the boot camp. Well over 250. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I think I've had one person not like it so I'll, i'll take those statistics that's fine i'll take that someone's really someone at some point's got to not like it so i'll take that yeah <laughs> one key thing to take away from uh, from benjamin's story is that uh, as much as he is very experienced in sales he is human like everybody else so when he was placed uh, in the situation of sudden change and having to make an uncomfortable yeah do something new he felt uncomfortable about it even though he st he struck it really good and it was uh, it was it was provenance so to speak yes. it's normal so if you're feeling out of touch out of place uncomfortable about doing something just remind yourself That's normal. I'm it's this is the process. It's it's the same for everybody else except for psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, we all agree there. So the rule is this: you either push through the uncomfort or you quit. And that's winners and losers are defined by those who are willing to tolerate pain to get to a greater good. If you're not willing to tolerate the pain to change, If you're not willing to make yourself uncomfortable, if you're not willing to challenge what you believe to be true, then you deserve everything you have. Nothing more, nothing less. Most salesmen are earning exactly what their self-concept lets them earn. If they so could, if they wanted to, if they were able to earn more and could, they would, but they've settled. They're happy on 35, 40,000 pounds a year. It's enough. They're comfortable. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But you fire a salesman earning 40 grand, I guarantee when he's looking for a job, he'll look for one that pays honor around 40 as well. He won't go for the one doing 55. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll go with what I know. And that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But what I'm saying is those that decide, no, I'm going to apply for the 55K job. Yes. That's what I'm going to do. And then, then all your friends, but you're only worth 40. No, I'm not. I've just been earning 40, but I'm 55. I'm going for it. And two things will happen. They'll either get it or they won't. If you don't see value in yourself, other people will not, no, will not see, see it. it. Yeah. So you're only earning what your self-concept will allow you to earn. 
Yeah. So, and Benjamin, uh, what would be your top three decision-making tips you have for aspiring decision-makers? Say that again, sorry. What are the top three decision-making tips you have for aspiring decision-makers? Buying decision-makers. Aspiring. Three tips aspiring. for aspiring. Aspiring. aspiring decision-makers. Okay, well, um, it goes back to pretty much what I've said. Make a decision and act. In fact, those will be the two. And if, if you can't make decisions in your private life quickly, then you're never going to be able to make them in your business life quickly. Only decision makers can get others to make decisions. They may not be the decisions you want, but it's a decision. You know, a decision not to make a decision is actually a decision. Yeah. When yeah. a prospect says to you, I need to think it over, what they're saying is, I don't want to make this decision. Or they say, I don't make decisions at the end of the first I decided meeting. not to make this decision. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so when somebody says to me, I don't make decisions on the first meeting, I go, you do realize that making a decision not to make a decision is a decision. <laughs> what you mean is I don't want to make this decision. That's right. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? I mean, I, 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 you can give me whatever you want. It doesn't mean I'm going to say you're wrong, but why not? Well, I don't like making decisions on the first call. Yeah, for a reason. What it's, just, it's just the way I've always been. Yeah, why? So I can push it. Now, they're either going to say, yeah, I'm not, fine, I don't care. But I need a fight. Don't just say, I'm not making a decision. No, 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 no. Tell me why not. And if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. I'm still leaving. <laughs> One, uh... You're not going to sleep there? Wait for them. Yeah. One uh, one slight uh, asterisk for anybody listening. Uh, it's it's also very good when you when you when you sell people. Make sure you, if you're calling companies, so you do business to business. Make sure that the person you're speaking to is qualified to actually make a decision. Because oh yes, yes. Well, so, salesmen salesmen often call too low anyway. Again, self concept. Uh, yeah. So, so you give a salesman two lists, right? And one list would have CEO, managing director, and the other list has head of something or head of this or head of that. Which list do you think they start on first? Most will probably start on the head of something. Head of why, why? They phone lower first because well, they're easy to get to. Um, and what happens is, is because they're not a CEO, because they're not an MD, they see the job title and their mum whispers in their ear at a subconscious level, what are you going to say to him when you get through? Oh, well, that's interesting because I was just thinking now, even in companies, colleagues working together, they ask, they're like on the same level for a decision. They don't go to their boss or their manager to ask them to make a decision. And their colleagues, they're in the same boat with them. They, they cannot make the decision and they know they cannot. And then at coffee or having a cigarette, they're gonna complain about the fact that why aren't we making this decision? But nobody goes and tells the boss or the manager or their direct leader say, I'm, we need this decision to be made. Is it yay or nay? They're playing hot potato. Yeah. So it's important. I know that no company will buy my services unless the MD or the CEO is 100% on board. So if I get approached by anyone lower than them, I make it clear I'm happy to have that first call with you. But by the end of it, you have to feel comfortable putting me in front of your CEO or getting him on that call. Because I for How a many fact are comfortable to do that? How many are comfortable to do that? 
Well, if, well, what it does is I'm weeding out those that genuinely want help and those that don't. Because those that say I'm not willing to do that, I'll say, fine, it's over then. Goodbye. <laughs> Straight to the point. Straight to the point. Why am I going to waste my time talking to an underling? I need yes. to talk to the guy that makes decisions. If the guy that makes decisions doesn't want to talk to me, what does that tell you about how he views whatever it is that they're saying they want to fix? He <laughs> so doesn't care. Good. Yeah. He's not interested. So why am I? Why should I be interested if he's not? Oh my god! Not and Benjamin, <laughs> this is my favorite question. Go for it. What is the book that had the most profound impact on you? This one. I actually had to look it up because it's a very hard book to get a hold of. Yes. It's called "How to Run Your Own Life" by Meininger. By Meilinger. Yeah, it's a very, it's a weird one. Okay. And what's the main takeaway from the book? This is a book. You see, salespeople love reading sales books. And don't get me wrong, sales books are interesting and they're great. But they don't change anything. They just give you a new layer of software to play on your existing hardware. This book is, this book helps you rewire your hardware. You see, your hardware is your beliefs and your values and what you believe to be true and how you view yourself and how you feel about yourself. And so the only way to ever get good at selling is to realize how to, first of all, realize when you're made uncomfortable. Because the moment you're made uncomfortable, you tend to act and behave in a manner that makes other people uncomfortable. So if I'm ever going to make someone feel more comfortable than me, I have to know, A, how to always feel comfortable, and B, whenever I feel uncomfortable, how to react so that I don't in any way cause the other person to feel uncomfortable. Because no one will buy from you if you make them uncomfortable. So this book taught me how to figure out how to understand me and why I do what I do and why I do it the way I do it. And the moment you understand you, you can change you because you are the fundamental common denominator problem. Once you figure out how to control how you feel and how you act, you will be able to make other people feel and act the way you need them to. That so, is more powerful than any sales book. Sales books are great because they give you software. <laughs> huh? You have to give somebody like a crib sheet to pass an exam on the book. Like what would be the, the system used to change your perception? Oh God, I couldn't, I honestly, I couldn't sum that up for you. It, it, it's, <laughs> It's a complicated Maybe if book. your life depended on it. Yes. But basically, it's a book about an alien who comes down to Earth and he observes human beings not understanding anything about why human beings do what they Whoa, do. Interesting perspective. And so this alien is confused. Why is this guy pursuing this particular career path when it's making him miserable? <laughs> and the alien doesn't get it. And so the alien figures out that the only reason he's doing it is because he's trying to please his dad. So, well, why is he trying to please his dad? And so it goes into all of this craziness. And then you start, so this book helped me realize I wanted to pursue something that was making me miserable and I didn't know why. And this book made me realize why. And the moment I figured it out, I was able to let go and I could start doing something I really wanted to do. So that's why it's powerful. It's got nothing to do with selling. Awesome. Awesome. But it's very hard to get a hold of. I had a guy I'm working with a client said he tried to look and it was 500 quid he reckoned on Amazon or something. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, um, it's 
probably out of print. It must be. I don't know why it's so popular. But anyway, so um, that is a book, How to Run Your Own Life by Meininger. I think that's how that's pronounced. Never met the guy. That's German. Yes. Some well, that's why. I'll, I'll try to get a hold of it. Yeah, if you can find it, I recommend it. Otherwise, I just yeah. have to start photocopying it and selling my own for 100 quid. <laughs> no, well, I won't do that just in case it. any of the copyright people are viewing. I, I will. It depends. Yeah. If you have to verify the copyright. If it's old enough, it might be in public domain. It's a good... It's a good I wonder when it was... Uh, I don't know. 1976. Uh, no, it's still protected. Yurt Meinger. Yeah. Anyway. Country. I recommend that book to everyone. And Benjamin, if they can find it. If people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Well, the best place is LinkedIn. That's the only social media I actually use to promote and market myself because that's where most of the people I want to find are. Obviously, I have a website. I mean, it's a crap website. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to win any awards for it. It's purely functionary. Uh, it's only to take card payments is why I set it up. But it does tell people about all my events and there's videos and there's a lot of stuff on it. Actually, I'm getting a new one built, actually. I'm, I'm in the process of jazzing up. So it's always, it's everything. If you want to find me, it's just UK's most hated sales trainer.com. You can also find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, which is very popular. Um, I post videos of me making, you know, live phone calls. Um, so there's a lot of stuff on there. People really enjoy watching me make phone calls, actually. So find me on YouTube, find me on LinkedIn, or go to my website, UK's most hated sales trainer.com. Awesome, Benjamin. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Ah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.